Well, I don't know about you, but I am so happy to be here this morning. This is uh, a special place. So grateful uh, to be together uh, with you this morning as we kick off this year uh, in the presence of God with one another. And and I got to admit, I'm excited about uh, what uh, God has in store for us, uh, not just today, but in the days to come and as the year unfolds. Some of you may recall me sharing a story about the the day I got to experience driving a race car. It was several years ago. My wife, for my birthday, had given me this gift of a driving experience at the Kentucky Speedway. And uh, I was super pumped about it. The day finally arrived, and I I got to uh, the racetrack. And uh, there was 18 other drivers, or 17 other, there was 18 of us, that met together in uh, basically the driver's room. Uh, we had our fireproof uh, pajamas on. We're sitting there listening to the instructions. They've got a video. They're kind of going over all of the safety precautions about driving this vehicle. It's a, it's a stock car, race car, and uh, you're going to be on the track, and they're kind of pointing out different pieces of it. Of course, they pass out the piece of paper that says, you got to sign this waiver that says that they are not responsible when I pass away in their vehicle and all that other kind of stuff and and just it was it was so cool but as I'm sitting there and I'm listening and watching and trying to pay attention the instructor was going over all kinds of these little details and he would show these marks that were going to be on the track of this is where you want to be at certain places so that you can have maximum speed and so that you can have maximum control of your vehicle And uh, there was this point where he says, you're going to feel as if, like, uh, you uh, should let up off the accelerator. But I'm telling you, he says, the track is wide, the track is built, but more importantly, the car is built to go fast and to go fast and to go fast. (laughs) He said, in fact, it was built to go fast, turning left. And so we get through all of the instructions, and eventually we walk out onto pit lane, and, and I'm waiting my turn, and I got my helmet on, and climbing into the car, and, and I start to hear the voice of this guy that is up in the control tower, and he's speaking to me and telling me when I can go. And, and there's only two cars on the track at one time. I mean, they're smart enough to make sure that we are, like, completely opposite ends of the track when you're riding, you know. But it was so cool, and I take off, and, and I'm pushing the gas, and it's just like, it is loud, and it is powerful. And I'm feeling a little bit like Tim the Toolman, yeah. You know, I mean, it was just an exhilarating experience. And the car is getting faster and faster, and here I, I'm coming towards the first turn. And I got to tell you, I mean, like, my heart is pumping. My, my legs are shaking. My back and my neck was so tight just in those few seconds of, like, okay, here we go. And as much as I tried not to, my natural inclination was to let off the accelerator as I was approaching that first turn. And so I come into this first turn, I get all the way through and level back out, and I'm on the straightaway again, and a voice comes over the headphone again. It says, this time, don't let off the gas. It can go faster. 
And sure enough, at, at every turn, I'm getting a little bit more confident. I'm starting to feel as if, like, okay, I can feel my back again. I'm loosening up and going faster and faster. And after several laps, of course, it was over. I get out, and I eventually find out my top speed was 148 miles an hour. And I'm like, this is awesome. But I got to tell you, when I got out of the car, I thought two things. Number one was, I got to bring Jen back to this thing because, number one, I'm going to beat her for sure. But number two, I was like, I can go faster. I know it. I know I can go faster the next time I come back. Yeah, there's so many things in our life that um, we just don't take advantage of all the power that has been made available to us. Whether it's our smartphone, our treadmill, or even our AAA membership, there are aspects of something that we have possession of that goes untapped or unused. And and truth be told, the same is true for every one of us when it comes to what has been placed within us that, that we still don't fully appreciate or we don't fully access. Uh, to, to point this out or to kind of show you what I mean, I want us to get into the Word this morning. Grab your Bibles if you've got them with you or pull out your phone and open up to the church app or open up your Bible app, whatever it is. And we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 2 this morning. Now, Paul's writing to these believers in the city of Ephesus. They're all Gentile believers, converts, which means that they don't have this background of like the Jewish Old Testament, you know, faith. They've been won over to Jesus Christ. Uh, they're, they're experiencing what it means to be walking in Christ, to what it means to, to truly have this relationship so that they can interact with the God above. And Paul's explaining to them about just what this new life in Christ is all about and what the transformation that they've experienced. But he wants to remind them because too often you and I need to be reminded of certain things, especially important things. And so we pick up in in, uh, Ephesians chapter 2. I want us to look at verse 10. This is a powerful verse. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. Now, there's this word, you see it highlighted, uh, that, that I want us to, to recognize. Paul uses the word masterpiece. Maybe perhaps in your version, uh, it's using the word handiwork. Uh, maybe it's using the word creation. It could be the word workmanship. This phrase, and really this word, can be translated, the result of God's activity. You are the result of God's activity. Now, when when you're speaking with other people, when you're interacting with other people, when, when you're having dialogue and when you're kind of just exchanging, uh, you know, with other people in relationship, etc., whether it's your spouse or your kids, maybe your parents, could be a neighbor, your friends, a coworker, could be your supervisor or those who uh, you're, uh, that are responsible to you. Maybe it's complete strangers. Question I have for you: Is the fingerprint of God 
evident on you. You're, you're his masterpiece. The result of his activity, uh, by the tone of your voice, uh, does it sound like that is the work of your creator? Now, the, the words that you use day in and day out, I, I mean, are, are they the handiwork of a holy God? I mean, we're God's masterpiece. We've been created by him. He's got his fingerprints all over us, but too often we don't feel like his masterpiece, do we? I mean, we know that Jesus said one of his favorite verses that I love to just hang on to. He says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Some versions, again, abundantly. More abundantly, have life to the fullest. This idea that Jesus came for this specific reason so that we might have a full life. So I guess the question is, why doesn't it feel like you're living the full or abundant life? Why does it feel as if like something is still not being experienced? Something's going untapped, unused. Something's not measuring up. You're not accessing all that Jesus wants for you, all that Jesus has brought for you. Maybe it's because you're just stressed out, you're worn out, you're beat down, and you're just feeling as if, like, it's just enough to get by. A full life? I'm too exhausted for that. Could be what you're thinking. But can can I offer this powerful truth? You were made for more. You were made for more. And this is something that I want all of us to experience this next year, that as we look at what God has designed for us, I mean, he made you in his image for his purpose. He never intended for you the life many of you are experiencing. Let me say that again. He never intended for you the life many of you are experiencing. So, so what, what do we need to do or how do we access the life that Jesus promised us that we might have this full life to understand that we have been made for more? We're going to let this be our overarching theme this next year, made for more because it shapes our identity it helps us understand and guide our purposes. Man, I appreciate Stephen's message last week. I, was, I got the honor to, to watch it. Uh, we weren't here. We were visiting with our family. But I was watching Stephen's message the entire service, and it was just so evident about how the Spirit of God has been moving. And I'm so grateful for Stephen's challenge and for his encouragement to understand that every one of us, no matter what our past might be, no matter what it is that, that has, we've accomplished or maybe even the mistakes that we've made, We press on. We press on towards that life that God has called us to. A life full of purpose and a life full that honors God so that we might experience even more than we could ever ask or imagine because of God's great gift of grace and mercy. And so if you didn't see Stephen's message, I want to encourage you, 
make sure you watch it this next week. It's on our app. It's on our website. Uh, but it'll be so powerful and help you just frame the fact that in the transition, some of you are still thinking about, am I going to make a resolution? What's my word going to be? Where, where am I headed this next year? Just understanding what it means to press on. When God created man in the garden, his intention was that man would be in close relationship with him. I mean, the idea was that, that God and Adam and Eve, they would walk side by side through the garden. That uh, at any time, uh, Adam and Eve, they could have these conversations with the Creator. Uh, But we know the story. Man had his own ideas. And, And honestly, we continue to live that way today. So what I want us to see is that Paul begins chapter 2, Uh, of Ephesians with this description about every one of us. No matter who we are, where we're at, uh, this is what Paul wants those believers in Ephesians to understand, uh, as well as you and I today. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. You know, this idea of, honestly, we refuse to obey God in our sinful nature. Recognizing that that what God had purposed for us, what God had willed for us, we refuse to walk in step with. And we settle for less than what God wants for us. And, and the reason is because fear drives our disobedience. You know, trust and obedience goes hand in hand. Some of you grew up in a church and you sang the words, trust and obey. The idea is that uh, there is no other way. To understand what it means to walk with God, to understand his love for us, is that we need to trust in him. And honestly, when we learn to trust, obedience doesn't seem hard. It doesn't come even at a cost because what we do is we place our trust fully in who he is and what he is capable of doing, what he continues to do for us. The reality is is that We all want more from God. We're just not willing to trust him more at times. We want more from God. We want him to respond to our prayer requests. We want God to show up. We want him to bail us out. But too often, we're struggling with trusting him more. Trust and obedience comes together. And when we refuse to obey God, uh, our trust is waning to the point that we're not allowing God to show us all that he has purposed, all that he has created. And that's why Paul points out in the very next verse, he said, but God is so rich in his mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. 
important fact for us. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. You know, the life that that God wants for you comes from being united with Christ Jesus. Uh, That's that's the first step. And, And the question that I would have for every one of us is, are we united with Christ? If not, your very first step is to choose Jesus, to understand that he has offered a life for you and to submit to him and to allow his, his lordship, uh, the fact that he saved you, that he, sent, that he died on the cross for your sins. He paid the sacrifice on your behalf so that you might have this life. And in our, our program that you receive as you walk in, down there on the bottom of the Connect card, there's a place where it says, man, I want to choose Jesus. And I want to encourage you, if you haven't chosen Jesus yet, he's calling you uh, to recognize what he wants to offer you, what he wants to give you, what he wants to provide for you. If you'll choose that, we can continue this conversation, submit and understand his love for you. In this incredible gift, because he has made you for so much more than the life that we experience here on this earth. It's just that simple, to choose Jesus. In fact, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done, so none of us can boast about it. It's so important for us to understand that we do not contribute to our new birth any more than we did to our natural birth. However, God didn't just save you from certain things. He saved you for certain things. Some of us, we we need to recognize That, yes, we love this idea that God has saved us from our sins, that God has provided the promise of eternal life in heaven. He didn't just save us from being separated from him. He also saved us for certain things. You were made for more. God has a plan for you. Want to know what God's plan is or what God's purpose for you is? Let's look again at where we began. First verse that we read was verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You know, the purpose of God's creative activity is not merely to have a people that he could call his very own as if he was constructing a work of art that he was going to either put like on the wall or on a mantle. A lot like maybe the classic car collector who amasses a garage full or a showroom full of vehicles so that people can come and look at them. Rather, this new creation that God is working at, the new creation being you and I, is to be this active and productive individuals, much like our creator. We were made in his image. 
And so as the creator above had used all of his creative abilities, he's calling us to do the very same thing and to join in him, in with him, and to continue the work that he began. The idea is, is that when we do this, we get out of the showroom and we begin to push our foot on the accelerator and that classic car devours the road. That's what it was built for. It wasn't built to sit in a showroom. Drive the car with the windows down, with the engine roaring and the miles ticking by. Maybe you've uh, experienced this a time or two, but when it comes time to purchase a vehicle, one of the primary things that at least I look at is how many miles are on the vehicle. And when we look at that, it's because it's like, okay, well, you know, it's, it tells a little bit about maybe the abuse or, or just what's, what it's experienced or how much life is left in it, really. Uh, but, but there are too many times when we purchase a vehicle and we like, we don't want to drive it because we don't want to put miles on it. It's like, you know, those conversations that you'll have with your significant other. Let's take your car instead of putting the miles on my car. Can I just say that God has created you to put miles on it? Make them tick by. Experience the breeze. Experience the road. Climb that hill. Take the turn. Experience what it is that God has purpose for you. He didn't create you just to put you on a mantle so that others could see. And Paul says it in 2 Corinthians 5 where he says that we are as Christ's ambassadors implored to join the creator in reconciling the world back to him. It's our purpose to do these good works so that others might see Jesus in us. You see, God saves you by his grace. And with Jesus, he marks out the way that we should live. It was John Stott who puts it this way. He said, good works are indispensable to salvation. Not as its ground or means, but as, as its consequence and evidence You know, we seem to be able to recognize certain behaviors or beliefs, even principles in other people that cause us to believe that they are lost. I mean, that talk about going to hell in a handbasket. We can look at certain people and say, man, that behavior, there's no way that they have a chance. There's no way that they walk with Jesus Christ. Are we willing to ask ourselves, would anyone believe we're saved by our behaviors, by our beliefs, by our choices, by our principles? Maybe you've heard the story of uh, the old violin. It's based off this poem that was written by Myra Brooks Welch. The story goes that uh, there's uh, an auctioneer who's got a room full of people and he's auctioning off several different items and he picks up this old violin and as he hands it there and he says, 
What am I bid? And from one part of the room, he hears a dollar, and then quickly, two. Doesn't take very long, and someone says, three dollars, going once, going twice. But just then, there's this old guy that walks from the back of the room, and he comes up, and he picks up that violin. He wipes off the dust, this violin that has been showed the the scars and the abuse of years of just neglect. And as he tightens the strings, and he takes the bow, and he places it on the strings, he starts to play, and a melody as sweet as the sound of angels singing fills the room. As the old man finishes playing, he sets the violin down and just returns again quietly to the back of the room. Well, the auctioneer, he grabs the violin, holds it more carefully now, and he says, what am I bid for this old violin? A thousand dollars was once. Another said two thousand. Wasn't very long, and someone said three thousand, going once, going twice, it sold. What was the difference? It's the same violin. What brought about the difference in price was only because it had the touch of the master's hand. What if your life reflected the master's hand? You are God's masterpiece. The result of his activity? Uh, What if the way that you interacted with people reflected the love of God, not just for you, but for the world around you? What if people, when they experienced you, they saw you extend grace to them much like you had experienced grace from God? What if people noticed that you moved from disobedience to obedience where you truly stepped into this moving from death to life? Imagine what might happen, the change that might come about if you reflected that you were the masterpiece of God's creation. What impact would it have on your world? What change would be brought to your marriage in your home? What impact would it have on our church and in our community if we lived as if we are God's masterpiece, the result of his activity? May we be people who recognize that we have been made for more. Understanding that God has something truly in store for every one of us. Man, doesn't it sound awesome? I mean, that sounds like, okay, that would be so cool, but it's not easy. What's that saying? If it was easy, everybody would do it. Well, here's what we know is that we need help. We can't accomplish and we can't reflect God's fingerprints on us without the help of Jesus Christ. I mean, that's what God tells us, that we are his handiwork, created in Christ Jesus, to do these good works, to reflect the love of Jesus to the world around us. And so we need help. And so that's why we're inviting you to participate this next week and for the next three weeks with the 21 days of prayer. 
to understand that, that every one of us have been invited into establishing some ha- habits and cultivating this dependence on who God is. And so I want to encourage you that um, it, if you don't have the church app downloaded on your phone, take some time right now and download it on your phone. For those of you who have the app on your phone, make sure your notifications are turned on. Because every day at 7 a.m. beginning tomorrow, for the next 21 days, we're going to send you a prayer prompt. It's just going to be a small passage of Scripture that's going to encourage you. There'll be a sentence or two that's going to just guide you, kind of prompt you as you begin to pray and start your day. You can return to it at any time you want, but I want to encourage you to step in and develop this habit of prayer. And then also, what we're going to do over the course of these three weeks is that we're going to gather as the body. We're going to pray over one another. We're going to pray for one another. We're going to pray with one another. And we're going to meet at 7 o'clock on Tuesday nights. We're going to meet at 7 in the morning on Thursdays. And, and the purpose is just to come together and to be strengthened in this prayer time. Now, here's, you, you do not need to pray out loud if you come to one of those gatherings. But I do know that you'll be encouraged. You'll be strengthened. You will grow. And in those moments, you'll begin to understand that the fact that God has made you for more so that you might walk confidently with him, no matter where you are in your journey with God. God's not done with you yet. And so that's why we firmly believe you were made for more. We're going to experience that as we trust in God and and let him guide us. You're his handiwork, his masterpiece, the result of his activity. question is, are you becoming what God has purposed for you? Are you becoming what God has made you for? Our prayer is, is that you'll join us this year and as we lean in and understand that God has, is a, a great big God who has given us the love that, of his son, Jesus Christ, to strengthen us, to assure us, to guide us. And uh, if we'll just step into that identity, I'm, t- I'm telling you, God is going to show us something within us and through us that is just going uh, to change our world. Choose Jesus. Walk with him. And and let's step into what it is that God truly wants for us and for our community, for the world around us. He's made us for so much more. Pray with me. Lord God, we are so grateful for your love and your mercy and your grace and the way that you have showered upon us the abundance of blessing through relationships and, and this confidence that you are near and you are here. Lord, thank you for the gift of Jesus. Thank you for filling us with your presence. Lord, I pray that, that we would not settle for less. Help us to trust in your promises. Help us to keep our eyes focused on you. May we walk with you assuredly, confidently, and full of hope and anticipation, resting in peace and joy that comes only through your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you and we're grateful. You call us your kids. It's in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray, amen.
Hey, let's stand and let's end our time of worship recognizing that we have the presence of God to fill us and may we walk with him.